You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's have a look at a set of results from a JSE-listed company. The company's name is Sun International, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by sharenet.co.za. Let me give you some of the highlights according to the press release and the Stock Exchange News Service announcement. Group revenue for Sun International for the year increased by 7%. Group EBITDA up by 5%. Sun Dreams is a highlight here. Income up 16%, EBITDA 12% better in the second half. Basic earnings per share up 98%. Times Square, the relatively new Times Square, grows its market share in the second half. It says the acquisition of an extra nearly 10% interest in Sun Dreams in Latin America was concluded. And it says at the bottom that the business is focused, resilient, and cash generative. On the telephone now, Anthony Leeming. You mentioned the second half. Does that mean there's been a shift in certain operations from the first half to the second half, Anthony? Lindsay, um, well, in South Africa, not a huge shift. And I think, you know, we've got growth because of non-comparable units. Now, if you look at a comparable basis in South Africa, we, we totally, we, revenues up 1% and EBITDA down 1%. But that includes the vast impact of the increase in VAT rate, which comes at a cost of the business of about $44 million. In Chile, however, there was a bit of an uptick in the second half compared to the first half where we certainly had quite strong growth. And particularly Monticello, which had the shooting in the prior, so it was closed for a short period. But overall, we certainly had good growth in Chile. Let's talk about South Africa before we go to more detailed analysis of what happened in Latin America. You had some problems at Sun City. I noticed in your trading statement about a week ago, you're talking about uh, impairments. Just give us an idea of the general trading environment in your sector of the business. Yeah, well, you know, Sun City started in very well if you go back to 2017, just after the refurb. And then... Last year, with already a tightening consumer, difficult business environment, we had some conference cancellation, ledger under pressure, and gaming spend with some EBTs in the prior year being licensed in the region, sort of hurting the business. So we, we, lo- we lost a bit last year. So it's a very difficult trade environment with the consumer really under pressure. And it is impacting revenue, and it's really been a low-margin business. The loss in revenue flows through quite quickly to EBITDA. So um, unfortunately, that's, that's the situation it finds itself in. We are looking forward. Conference bookings, are, the rate of booking is ahead of last year. It doesn't mean it's always going to hold, but we're certainly feeling that it, there's a bit more of an encouraging trend, while we expect ledger to remain under pressure. Sun City has always fascinated me. It was conceived in a different political dispensation, if you like, and it's obviously had to reinvent itself, especially with so much competition when it comes to conferences. There was a big Merrill Lynch Bank of America conference there last week, which received headlines in the financial services markets because of the content of the conference. But do you find that it is becoming more and more difficult to attract people to go to Sun City, given the competition I spoke about? No, look, Sun City, you know, it still attracts a fair amount of people. And, you know, we're pretty full on the weekends and school holidays. So we have a bit of a lean midweek generally. And that's why the conference business is so important to us to try and get the, the midweek up, you know, to 60, 70% from probably 50% during the week. And that's just in the nature of the beast. I mean, in terms of such a large resort out of the way. But, but people still loving Sun City. They love the golf courses. They love the, just the ability to do so much on site and any of the ways. And then get away, and it's, it's close to Joburg, so it still has its appeal, and I think it's still doing very nicely. We are having to spend some money, however, to keep it at a standard, so we are busy with refurbing the palace rooms and the cascade room. So the big challenge for some city is to generate enough cash to almost reinvest in the property and, and hopefully take it a little bit out. So that's the key issue. So we really are, you know, having to address the cost structure all the time, trying to operate as efficiently as possible, and while maintaining the asset, which this year is 40 years old. Yeah. 
It's been a long time. Let's have a look at some of your operations in South Africa. And it's a split decision because you say in South Africa, Grand West, Sibaya and Wild Coast Sun all perform to expectation with Sun City, Carnival City, Boardwalk and the Table Bay coming under pressure. Maybe pick one of the ones that hasn't performed to expectation. And I really want to single out Table Bay here. It's a facility I'm very familiar with. Uh, was it all to do with water restrictions? Uh, all to do with water restrictions. I mean, Table Bay has been running at 75 and 60 occupancies and came down to 69. I think we did very well in terms of holding our rates at least and, uh, you know, losing a bit in occupancy. I think we did better than the market uh, when you look at our peer group. And certainly we're very happy that how the Table Bay held up and how it's reacted to the water crisis. That trend has fortunately improved and certainly our bookings have picked up towards the end of the year and we're expecting a much better occupancy this year. Table Bay is 80% foreign business. So it's very key visas and all these things, you know, come right because I think the Table Bay is in the ideal position to benefit from that. Yes, it is a beautiful facility. Sun City's trading was challenging. We've mentioned that. What about Times Square, relatively new? Is it fully operational? Have you bedded it down, as they say? Yeah, I think there's still some bedding down to do. I think it's fully operational with the hotel opening in, at the end of March, early April. So now all facilities are open and trading. We are starting to see a gain in market share. We upped our market share to 14.2 in the last six months of the year. And so far this year, as we indicated, that we went forward 9% in Jan. The rest of Gauteng went back 6%, where we went forward 9 We haven't got the gaining stats for February yet. Um, but certainly Times Square is slowly gaining market share, and I think we need a little bit more focus on the margin. You know, there's always an upfront cost ramp-up, extra marketing effort. We've got to get a bit more standard and, and start uh, you know, leveraging the margin a bit as well. But we still see upside in the revenue growth, and we certainly see margin improvement. And the combination of those two will result in quite strong growth in EBITDA. How about Latin America, Argentina, Chile? Give us an overview of the operations there over the period under review, if you would. Yeah, I'll touch on Argentina first. Argentina, obviously, we acquired in uh, sort of just in July. The currency at the same time really went from, uh, I think, when we acquired at 28 to 40 to the dollar. So a significant devaluation of the currency. However, the hotel side is really a dollar-based income, and, and it's shown strong growth in EBITDA, while the casino has gone back a bit. That's slowly starting to normalize as your costs pick up with the high inflation environment and your casino revenue normalizes. So despite um, quite a significant shift in terms of the, the business profitability of the two elements, we managed to meet our EBITDA expectations. So very positive in that sense. Chile certainly, you know, it's a country growing at 4%. It's got lots of lithium, which is key to, to car manufacturing and special electric vehicles, um, and showing a lot of positive trends. Um, so we do quite well, um, and I think we're optimistic that Chile will continue to grow um, and, and experience good growth in the years ahead. Okay, you haven't let the grass grow under your feet despite the challenging conditions in certain of your geographies and at certain of your facilities. Um, you are continuing to focus on reducing debt levels. How are you progressing in that regard? We do very well, and I think you've got to look at our debt in two ways. I mean, you know, you've got to look at splits between, sorry, Latin and South Africa, and if we Look at South Africa where we really had the pressure. Um, our debt is non-recourse to different areas, but in South Africa is on the South African balance sheet. We pulled our debt down from 11.4 billion at the end of December last year down to 9.2. That included a write-off of 1.6 billion. So we still generated over 600 million in cash flow to reduce debt in South Africa alone. So quite confident that the debt will continue to reduce, and obviously our interest bill is going to come down as a consequence. So this year we expect uh, lower interest and, and, and good cash generation and hopefully, you know, debt getting, you know, reducing further. It's probably close to $8 billion by end of next year. And hopefully then start repaying dividends? Absolutely. I think, you know, we, I indicated, I think, last year we talked in two to three years. I'd say, you know, it's 18 months to, 
two and a half years at the moment. I'm, I'm pretty confident that, you know, to continue this trend, we do have a very difficult economy and I think people are, are very tight. But, um, you know, we've seen some positive signs here and there and then, you know, some tough trading. Um, so it is a difficult trade environment, but we, we do know we can. And I think we focus in the right areas, operating efficiently um, and looking after the customer. And that, that's what's going to be the good co- the combination for our business in the short while. I'm going to look at your prospect statement now, Anthony, and uh, I think what we've got here is the VAT. The VAT increase has been accepted, it has been absorbed, and that's not out the way, but it's certainly this sort of short-term shock is, has, probably, has probably not, as I say, disappeared, but has certainly been accepted. You say the following, while we are much encouraged by government's positive steps to combat corruption and boost the economy, we do not believe this will have a material impact on the economy in the short term. As a result, you go on to say... We expect continued pressure on disposable income for the South African consumers. While these factors are beyond our control, for our part, we will continue to work hard on maximising efficiencies, reducing costs, as we've spoken about, in an economic environment that is demanding the very best of us. I I would think that when people are battling in certain quarters to put food on the table and to educate their children, it will continue to be challenging. But are you confident for the medium and long term, Anthony? Yes, I think, you know, we... South Africa really is on the balance at the moment. I think you know we've got to remain optimistic, and I think you know everything the government and particularly the silver and Fraser is doing, we we very it's the right thing to be doing at this point in time. You know, ESCOM challenges aren't about what's happening now; they they about what's happened over the last decade. So you know it's not something that can be fixed quickly. And I, but all the moves, all the things are in the right direction. There are mistakes here and there, and I think one has to be patient, and optimistic in the country because we you know we all love the country and want to move forward. We do, and we hope we will. Anthony, thank you very much for your time. That's Anthony Leeming, the CEO of Sun International, whose results were released earlier today, and that podcast was proudly brought to you by sharenet.co.za.